Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. With me always is my co-host, John Gillen. John, how are you? Doing well, doing well. I how was Thanksgiving? Actually, uh, it was good. It was good. Thank you. Um, I, always, I always enjoy Thanksgiving. And then over the long weekend, I also managed to bottle and brew. So that was, it was very productive. In that order? Uh, yeah. Well, because I... <laughs> Because I had bottled or I had brewed a previous batch a few weeks back, so I bottled it while I was brewing the next one. So I feel pretty good about that. It was productive weekend. Did some yard work, ate lots of delicious food. You're being very great people. So got some tryptophan in you, and um, you're being very uh, vague and mysterious. Can can I ask what were you brewing and or bottling? Uh, well, bottling it was it was originally supposed to be kind of a uh, a standard British style pale ale, and then I ended up. Um, the my mash temperature was too low so i had too much sugar in it which made it more like a barley wine so instead of being kind of six and a half percent it's now going to be like eight percent of how you've gone from like you know a uh, fancy pale ale to basically hobbiton <laughs> and then the other one is going to be a baltic porter so oh and that, that nice. one kicked off very nicely it's already fermenting and i'm pretty pleased with that so all in all, completely unguitar related. Yes, but... <laughs> absolutely. Let's stop talking about how many things you do and how many extracurriculars are in going. This is about the guitar. We'll save it for the beer podcast, which we might start soon. Yeah, um, cool. Along with our uh, many other podcasts. Uh, loyal slash new listeners, when John and I started the conversation, I uh, walked in on him playing a seven string guitar. Which Shh, I was don't tell anybody. Uh, no, oh. people need to know. It's okay. You're in a safe oh, place. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that it's out in the open, I feel like I can be my complete, you know, metalhead shred self. I, I, I feel good about this. I think this is good. I think I think this is good. This is a good way to come out as a seven string player. I think so. It's all right. I'm sure there's a support group for you somewhere on Reddit. <laughs> like or maybe sevenstring.org. I don't know. This whole website yeah. dedicated to it. Is there? Does everybody no, look yeah, like the last one? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's actually where you know uh, Misha Mansour, uh, or oh, however cool. you say his last name, from mm. Periphery. That's kind of where he got his start. He was just posting demos um, on SevenString.org, and people were like, "Hey, this is pretty good," and it went from there. I must say, of all the uh, sweet, sweet Black Friday deals that were on over uh, over the weekend, the Misha Mansour. Uh, Ibanez signature it was just like oh it was like three hundred pounds off it was like seven nine nine down to four nine nine it was like oh I know I might still be there I might go have a look later yeah. but John it is lick of the week time oh let's, let's oh my talk. gosh that's right yes let's let's do that I have it here in our fancy googly drive hashtag googly drive Google. drive <laughs> yeah <laughs> hashtag sponsorship hashtag free 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 promo free free googly. Uh, because nobody I should, knows what Google is. That's it. So, yeah, you know, we gotta yeah. let, we gotta get get their get their numbers up. Uh, I should explain, loyal listener, that this is the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, I work not exactly in retail, but I work essentially supporting people in retail. And it has been a very, very long Black Friday filled week, so energy will keep it going. Um, uh, and John has probably, you know, eaten a lot, so energy could be a little low. But <laughs> we'll on, try and keep it going. Up. I'm, I'm drinking That's why coffee. I picked, we got it going here. Let's let's do I it. An energetic lick of the week.
there's there's a couple of things that come to mind. Okay. Uh, sort of nineties. That's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of the the riffage and the sound as as you always mentioned the sound of the snare. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of Good. tight crack uh, yeah. snare drum, which I love. And and I I cut it off there, but there's there's a just a beginning to a vocal thing, mm-hmm. but I can't quite place it. So I'm gonna say, um. I think there are a couple of possibilities. It could possibly be Jerry Cantrell of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, or let's see, I, I could see Soundgarden. Okay, a bit later. So this was, um, I, I like where you're coming from in terms of like it is a big riff uh, and a very, de- one thing as you said, there was like, it's, it's a drop D riff. You can kind of tell mm-hmm. that from the, uh, the D pedal point that goes. But this is actually uh, Stockholm Syndrome by Muse. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I have a, a love hate, really hate relationship with Muse. I think it's, yes. it's amazing. It's, it, there's just there as a band, they're such an intriguing band in what they've done, but also what they strive for. And they're, you know, the technical musicianship is of Matt Bellamy. It's amazing. And the stuff that he's done with the guitar Absolutely. Possibly one of the most influential guitarists or like, you know, he was kind of like uh, a Tom Morello for like, you know, the new metal kids in terms of like his invention with the guitar. Right. But this was off of one of their earlier albums, right? Exactly. Was, yeah. yeah. So, and that was the thing, like I always found the early Muse stuff, which I guess would probably for me run up to, I don't know, maybe close to 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more interesting not that the not not that the new stuff is bad i i just i i think it leans a little more towards the pop tendencies than is my taste yeah no i i agree um that they're really there's like i think this they're just the reason i picked this one because they just released their new album i think it's like their eighth or ninth album and described but described by pitchfork pitchfork as a if Radiohead played EDM. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, Muse hit their all-time low with an album called Drones, which came out a few years ago, which had, like, famously terrible artwork, which basically said the whole thing. Uh, but, yeah, this is uh, off their, I believe it's their third or fourth album, Absolution, which is fantastic. It has, like, hysteria and, you know, time right. is running out and really, really tight music musical background but then it just all went we can do all this stuff so we should never really asking if they if they should you know right. uh, you know we, we it's there's very it's there's very like classic <laughs> classic jurassic park exactly yes yeah. they went full gold bloom um, in terms <laughs> of uh creativity it was like just ridiculous over the top vocal gymnastics and i think yeah it was, it was just got a bit too much but yeah, the new album's a hot mess. I was enjoying it the other day. I'm like, wow, this is just so unfocused. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but uh, worth checking out for the novelty because it is very inventive and it is the most inventive they've been in a while. But uh, like I said, it's it, even down to the, you know, they, they've got the, if you look at the album art, the album art is also very much indicative of what the music is. I'm, like, I'm looking at the album art now. Like it's yeah. Tron synth wave. It's, Tron, Drew Shuzan, you know, kind of yeah. poster from the eighties. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. that sort of thing. Which but, I mean, like synthwave is huge right now, and that's a thing. Um, and the art, that style artwork is very popular. Like I've even yeah. seen it. I've even seen it on local news stories. Like it's, <laughs> it's just like everybody's doing it. 
Yeah, um, it's like weird so, retro. So give it about six team. months, and nobody's going to be doing it. But exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you hear us, Muse? You got six months uh, before this before the well runs dry. <laughs> so. <laughs> Instead of, we were talking about what should we talk about for, for news this week, and it, we, we, we had a few things going on, but one thing that's really kind of sprung out to me is that when it came to the Black Friday thing, because I was like immersed in damn capitalist pig dogism, I was like, well, what, you know, what am I going to buy? I, I was, you know, I, I basically, there's, there's, I was thinking of like all of the gear that I've bought this year since getting a full-time job and, you know, not having the time to play it. And I was like, oh, God, what do I need? You know, I mean, do I want another guitar? Like I wanted a GNL Tele, so I bought a GNL Tele and I wanted an EP booster and a Keeley Tone Station and they're all great. And I really love the limited time that I get to spend with them. But I'm like, what do I want now? And maybe this will feed on to a bit more. But do you think... We've, we've, talk, we've touched on it before, we've never really gone into it, the whole, because we've talked about, you know, tone and, you know, building a great tone. But when it comes to gear, do you think that guitarists have the whole chasing the dragon sort of approach? You know, one more piece of gear and I'll be happy. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, all, all the old <laughs> guys refer to it as having gas, which I think is oh, actually a I've term. Never heard that. I, I feel like Brian May coined it, but I'm not even sure about that. Um, but yeah, get gear acquisition syndrome. So, uh-huh. yeah, which is, of course, why all the old guys say it, because, hey, it's a fart joke. So, the, <laughs> but the, I, I think so. I mean, I think there's always the temptation of, hey, if only I had this pedal, or if only I had this thing, instead of really trying to focus on, like, okay, what do I have, and how can I make that sound good? And now, granted, if all you have is, like, four metal zones, then it's, it's time to do something else, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like your man from Biffy Glyro. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it, it's, it's weird though, because I remember like even starting off on guitar, it was like, you know, I've got a, I think maybe it's this, this culture that we're built into, you know, you, you start, I started on a Squire and I saw everybody playing like Fender. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to, someday I'll right. work my way up to a Fender. Or it's just when you get a distortion pedal. I think maybe it's even when you start to play gigs live and you see other people who have much more developed sounds and you're like, you don't stop to think about, oh, it's, they've been playing a lot longer than I have. You just, you, you covet the gear that they have. And it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I think also it's not, you know, made any easier by YouTube and Instagram and all these ways of seeing the countless demos. Like, I mean, I really should unsubscribe from Pete Thorne's gear demos, but he seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, so that right? I just, yeah, I know. <laughs> handsome bastard uh so yeah it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about especially like coming up to christmas but like building the ultimate board is another thing as well like i, I don't know we've talked about this before numerous times about like what should be on a pedal board but you can always upgrade stuff and that's that's it's dangerous it really is yeah yeah it, well and i think there's some of it is the um this this idea that we still have of like hey fender and gibson and marshall and fender again when it comes to amps i guess <laughs> but yeah. these these are the the gold standard and this is what you have to have to buy to sound good yes because you know i mean i would say not too long ago even in the early 2000s like you said a squire a lot of those squires were kind of junk and sounded like it you know yeah it's yeah (laughs) and and still i think to this day probably some of them are but 
now you have a lot more options. And if, if you can afford something in that $500 range, you're going to get a decent mid range guitar. You're not going to get, you're not going to get something that is going to be a world beater, but it's going to be something that should be enjoyable to play. I mean, shoot, mm-hmm. if, if you spend 600 bucks, you can get a, a, a really nice used Gretsch. Like who would have thought, you know, and it sounds great, plays great. And you get that classic Gretsch sound. So why go off and spend or hope to spend $1,200 on, you know, a Gibson or whatever else for that matter? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, brand is such an interesting thing. I mean, we're, you mentioned before the podcast that Rick Beato, uh, <laughs> godfather of our, our, our own podcast, has uh, he has put up a, a video like, do brands matter anymore because there's just so many of them out there? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this a little bit before in our acoustic guitar episode not too long ago, you know, how the whole Luthier thing. Every bash Gibson. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that time of the episode. Uh, <laughs> Um, but uh, Gibson, if you want to sponsor the podcast, we're we're more than absolutely to yes. We'll, we'll we'll reel it in, but only for <laughs> cold hard cash. Uh, I I think with it as well. It's funny. I was talking to a guitarist who was in one of these institutes of music <clears throat> in Dublin, uh, the Brighton Institute of Modern Music, which is in Dublin, BIM, um, where all the guitarists are, you know trained within an inch of their lives and their chops are all amazing and apparently they go in waves of what they all buy in terms of like the guitar they play like apparently one year it was all music man music men i suppose and then the next year it was all prs's and yeah it's just all about i think with them it's all about having that very very versatile guitar in terms of you know, can play anything and a PRS and a music manner widely considered. You're not going to turn up with a <clears throat> Jackson seven string, uh, <laughs> but it's the same. Like I, I can, I can appreciate that versatility, but then again, you're, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Sure. Is it? Is sure. 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 Those guitars seem extremely versatile. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they definitely can be. And I got mine so that it would be. And mm. because I, it, it needed to fulfill a whole bunch of different functions of course. The, the thing is, it, I, I distinctly remember, though, there's still people in the studios who, when they turn up to a studio, or even producers, kind of old school guys, um, though I wouldn't necessarily recommend working with some of them if this is the case. If I remember turning up to a few sessions in Nashville with a music man, and this mm-hmm. was early 2000s, and they were like, what the hell is that? Where's, where's your Telecaster? And I was like, no, listen to it. Like I can get the Tele sounds you need. And they were like, no, like come back with a Telecaster. Like that it was, or here's my Telecaster play this. It was that sort of thing. So there's, there is still an element of, well, this particular guitar is going to give me this sound where nowadays you can get a Telecaster sound out of everything. It, It just, depends upon how you tweak it and you know exactly eq the thing in post no one knows the difference famously i remember seeing there were several tracks i think on led zeppelin 4 that were actually recorded with a stratocaster yeah you know like yeah exactly who would ever think of um jimmy page playing a stratocaster but nevertheless so i and with as many brands out there now too, there's, there's now I think five that I'm aware of local builders 
here in Colorado Springs or well in Colorado anyway, uh, electric mm. guitar builders, which I don't know, hopefully we'll get some of them on the podcast. We'll see. Yeah. But, that'd be really cool. Yeah. It, it would be great to get their perspective on this too. I think with an abundance of local builders, particularly if they're trustworthy, we've all heard horror stories of somebody taking your money and running, but mm. if, if they build decent guitars, you can get a really great guitar cheap. So yeah. why, why bother again? Why bother with some of these other brands, these legacy brands, which have a reputation um, in some cases earned, but I, I, I don't know that you need to be pushing for, like you were talking about at uh, BIM, like why, why does everybody have to have the same guitar? Because it's people are cheap, symbol. John. <laughs> I think it becomes a status symbol is really what yeah, it is. I would, I would so agree it's with less that. function and more status. And, and, and I think that just plays into the fact that I think guitar players can be really judgy of other guitar players. Oh, he's only playing the McCarty <laughs> 24 instead of, <laughs> you know. Sounds hmm. like you're talking yes. about wine. Yeah, and the no, I... custom. Yeah, hmm, hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't know all my PRS friends. Listeners, well. John is making a lot of a uh, hoity-toity uh, wine sw- swishing movements right now with my we, coffee mug. It's a, it's it's an audio medium, John. You should really stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's funny because I remember about probably about ten years ago when maybe coming out of the lo-fi, you know. New NYC rock revival, revival like was coming out. Everybody was playing Telecasters. Or every indie band going was playing Telecasters, and it kind of, you know, it it became so cool, finger quotes, mm. that it wasn't cool at all. Like that, it was just a saturation. Um, Which is why they all play like jazz masters now. So yeah, yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's 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 really interesting and like great. Uh, fair play for picking a, a guitar that you have to run through a thousand pedals to sound good. Um, right. I've, sorry, I'm not a fan. And with more um, switches than you know what to do with. Yeah, it's it's yeah too much. I mean, t- just tape them up, tape them up like you should. Uh, <laughs> tape, <laughs> tape up the switches and then take the guitar and throw it out the window. Uh, but it's. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. There is this sort of snobbery, I suppose, that, that accompanies certain models. And it really should, it, it overlooks the value of playing. It really does. It's it, the aesthetic value. And what I do like seeing, and I see it less, you know, sorry, I see it you know, sometimes at gigs more and more, uh, is guitarists taping over the logo on their headstock. So it kind of forces you to listen to it a bit more. I know you see it sometimes on TV shows because, you know, brands don't want to be featured or like, you know, you have to pay the, to use the, the logo or whatever. But I think it's a really interesting idea um, because it, it forces people to really ask. But even when I took out my GNL at a gig recently, people were, people were saying, it said it looked great, but they had no idea what it was. And I kind of liked that sort of anonymity anonymity of having a guitar that nobody nobody knew about you know it's cool it's an interesting thing but yeah i think playing does get overlooked have you ever seen that video of uh, stevie ray Vaughan playing a bc rich uh no <laughs> it's just it sounds like stevie ray Vaughan. it could be like it's just it's so weird but it's it's you know it's it's all in the fingers really so i think that we haven't really come to many conclusions at the end of this uh guitar gear rant but i think it's i don't know some interesting points came up i enjoyed talking about it with a more seasoned player there you have it i i I, I like it too i think it's um i I think it's a 
a topic worth considering more and more just how much how much does a brand matter and sometimes when you're i think particularly when you're looking at a brand like gibson Mm. not as much as it used to for sure so yeah and we've talked about this before maybe the more signature models that you bring out depreciates your brand a little bit Mm. Mm. indeed another thought Mm. yeah Got a lot of them going on. Um, sweet. So we were going to touch a little bit. Speaking of gear, we were going to talk about practicing at home and maybe talking about uh, playing guitar at home when you're not at a gig and what kind of playing in a kind of a home environment. And I suppose this kind of came from me playing more guitar at home. What I was doing was I was playing guitar in the mornings before work and thus I would not be able to amp up because neighbors and because girlfriend's still in bed and because stuff. So I would basically end up playing and bringing my guitar downstairs and I didn't want to, you know, plug into my, my skirt. What is it? Yeah. My uh, Scarlet focus, right. And I wanted to play like, I just wanted to like, you know, just work on some scales or whatever and play, an electric guitar unamplified just whatever and then i started playing guitar in the evenings where i'd be able to plug in and it wouldn't really be a big deal plug into my blues junior and run through a few beautiful pedals uh, and i just found it so much more enjoyable so this has because you're actually getting the sound you're getting so much more of a response from amps and guitars and the, the feel of it all um so that's kind of led me down the hole i want to buy a good practice amp Mm-hmm. Uh, model and so that we kind of talked about this a little bit last time and i was wondering do you have a setup for would you prefer like to to plug into your laptop or plug into like monitor what is your approach well, to practicing oh man that's that's interesting i think there's a lot of different ways to go about it i currently don't have a practice amp at home i mm. i keep it at the studio and but i do I have an AC 15, which can work cool. fine at normal volume, but it mm-hmm. is still a little bit loud. There's, I, I like the idea of things like the orange micro terror. Yamaha has got a great sounding mm-hmm. almost. Um, I don't want to say colorless cause I don't know if that's the right word, but it's, it, it has kind of a British kind of, kind of a voxy sound. I think I could be wrong. Is this the, is this the THR5 or is this one of different ones? Uh, I, you know, it, it, it might be. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But these, these are little 5-watt, um, 10-watt, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I want. I really want one of them. And that's, you know, we were talking about gear that we want earlier. This is like, I'll get this piece of gear and I will be happy. And I might be happy for a little while. But I love the idea. It's a little lunchbox. You, you take it around, you can put a battery in the back and, you know, also the, the headphone jack and everything. But the thing is, with my Blues Junior, you do have to crank it a little bit to get a good sound out of it. Yep. These, you've got the tech, you know, the, the built-in technology to generate really good tone at a really low volume. And I think that's such a, such a key thing. That so what's, what's interesting, often, I'd say, overlooked. Two is two manufacturers have been picking up on this as well. So for example, I'm looking at replacing the tubes in my AC 15 and there's a set of tubes that I can get that is actually they're They're the power tubes, but they're sort of powered down if that makes sense. So they're they're a special type of EL 84 that's is going to give you more of that tone when you push the signal, but it's, um, it's not quite as loud, if that makes sense. 
Interesting. So, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure how they work because I am not <laughs> in any way. No shame a, in that. Yeah, a, a tube expert. But I'm really curious about it because I think this is something like it would allow me to kind of push the volume a little bit on the tube and get a little more of that sound that I'd really like to be able to hear if I could get the volume knob past three o'clock, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you. So, it, but the point is, is like there might be something similar that you could use for the Blues Junior and still get some nice tones at a lower volume. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I, I find that some of the pedals I've been using have really, you know, cause I think with the blues junior, you kind of have to push it to nice, like a nice sweet spot, which can be sort of boosted. Um, the, I have to, I cannot give enough credit to the, the soul food, uh, little, the, who makes it? The, uh, electro harmonics. It's such a gorgeous pedal. I really, really having a lot of fun with it. Um, our good friend, friend of the podcast, Maddie, picked me up and picked me one up in, in Tokyo. And it's just such a really great little boost pedal for whatever you're doing. It even works super well with my acoustic, like really, really nice tone. It's, it's a fantastic pedal, you know, and that's the thing. I, I don't have one, but um, partly because I don't really need one, but I may pick one up anyway. Because they're, I mean, you can find them <laughs> used for like 50 bucks. Like, why not? They, they sound fantastic. They're great. Um, they're one of the best things that you could possibly use for a clean boost too. You kind of roll off the game and it sounds fantastic. It's got a, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about it and it's right. such an affordable pedal. Um, but it's not really necessarily practice gear. No, <laughs> it's not. So, so amp wise, um, I do, I, I definitely recommend get something that you can plug into your computer, whatever that is. Yeah, and some, something that's affordable, something like bias FX or maybe a cheap version guitar rig or something like that, that it can be a standalone VST that you can practice with <clears throat> just with some headphones on. But I think it's great to have a good practice amp to work on. You know, if you normally perform with pedals, you should have something that you can test that out and something that's going to be similar. So if normally you'd be performing with a blues junior, what is going to give you a similar tone to that blues junior? that you can have it powered down like a five watt amp or something like that. Vox also makes like a three watt. Uh, I think it's like a six inch speaker. It's a tiny little thing, but I've had a couple of students buy this thing and it sounds absolutely fantastic. And you can even cut the wattage in half to really push the tube. Wow. And it's a great little deal. Um, I can't, I think it's just called like an AC five or something like that, but the speaker's decent. The tubes are real. And the thing sounds great. But then you could also go the no tube route, right? Ah, yes. The uh, Fender Mustang route. Well, Fender Mustang. Uh, Vox has a, a modeling one. There's always the famous Boss Katana, right? <laughs> yeah. The Boss Katana. It's funny because I've been comparing the Yamaha THR5. It's literally my most searched Google term for the last month, I'd say. Uh, but it's, it, there's a lot of the comparison is against the Boss Katana little, you know, the desktop one as well, the battery-powered one, which for the bang for your buck, they're, they're 80 euro, like for, for a new one. They're really good. While as the uh, THR5 is about 180. Um, yeah. the, the tone that you're getting is, the, tone, the Boss Katana tone is very thin and very, um, it just doesn't have the, the, you know, the, you know Disagree? Yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't have the tube warmth. <laughs> so, 
Uh, I think I think <laughs> every, every, every time somebody says warmth, you should have to take a shot. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, I do think tube simulation has come a long way. Could I honestly tell the difference in a recording? I don't know that I could, but then there's a lot of things you could sort of do to manipulate a recording, I think, to give it that particular sound. Yeah. I, I'm impressed with what the Boss Katana can do. And I think in most cases for a live gig, it's fine. I would probably be more picky at home than I would be, you know, playing in a bar to some punters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it definitely has its place to, and again, to get a sense of like, hey, that live sound and working with your pedals, whatever it is, I think it's important to have some kind of amp that you can run through just to check those things, you know? Usually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just, it just makes you more ready because one thing, a point that I keep on coming back to with my, with our um, Greg Howe interview that we did, the shambolic Greg Howe interview that I did not that Greg Howe was shambolic that the recording of it was, um, was <laughs> my fault completely. Uh, was he saying that playing a guitar with a distortion is like, the distortion is an instrument in itself. You know, you have to, you know, you have to learn how to practice with that because we, I think we were talking about whether it's better to practice, you know, unamplified or amplified. And he's like, you know, practice amplified, but practice with distortion so that you can practice, you know, cause it's yeah. just so, it's, it's so reactive to, you know, you, you need to get that down. And I think if you're playing <clears throat> a distortion gig, you're practicing for that and you have to practice with that and getting a good amp tone is crucial um, to making you feel more comfortable learning the song. So, John, you've sold me. I'm going to get the <laughs> <laughs> um, Pardon me while I buy the ammo. Um, so, yeah, but I never asked you. We'll wrap this, uh, this own segment up soon. But uh, what's the next bit of gear that you want to buy? Oh, that's, that's really tricky. And I'm kind of trying to decide, do I want another guitar? Because there are a couple options I might go down. I don't have a true hollow body, so I'm kind of intrigued about maybe going down that route, or I'm kind of thinking maybe a higher end seven string, something like one of those Ormsby guitars. I really like those. I do like the idea of a headless guitar, yeah. partly for portability. And, and then the other one being maybe something like an Axe FX or a Kemper these things also require saving up some cash. So we'll see what I decide to do. But those are, those are kind of the two, two big things that I'm trying to decide at the moment. What about you besides the, or is it just the Yamaha? That's pretty much all I really kind of want right now. In terms of like an actual guitar, I, I don't know. I, I was like, oh, am I, you know, kind of combine the two, try and sell the two guitars that I have and get like one really nice one. But at the same time, like something a bit more versatile, like you, like your own. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I can, if I want to learn kind of faster stuff, uh, I can, you know, I want to learn. Basically, I kind of want to learn two types of music right now, which is like kind of faster alternate picking shred stuff and also tree chicken picking. And I've got my Explorer and I've got my Telly, and that's really all I need for learning those types of music in terms of like getting a decent sound. So yeah, I'm 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 kind of happy out now when it comes to guitar stuff. But yeah, that little lamp. But the thing is, I'm worried about once I buy it, what am I going to want after that? That's it. The vicious cycle. That's it. Um, so John, speaking of all this guitar playing and gears and stuff, what have you been working on? 
I have been working on this. This will be sort of mildly amusing. The Paul Gilbert's technical difficulties. Oh, yeah. So, um, which is tricky, but not as tricky as you might think. So it's, of course, a Racer X tune, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun, even if it is, it's hard to get up to speed. I'll definitely say that. <laughs> Yes. imagine that paul gilbert it's it's hard to play as fast as paul gilbert who knew but yeah it's it's that's been one of the main projects the other stuff i'm a little bit further along with that john petrucci song we talked about last time mm-hmm. and a handful of other things so but yeah that's that's the new thing in the rotation at the moment one thing i really like about technical difficulties in terms of like if you want to learn parts of it is that it's very easy to break down into distinguished sequence sorry uh, distinguishable sequence uh, sequences or sections and um, which is great like you could take one and work on that for ages i'm i'm a big uh, it's it's a very great chunkable yeah it's it's kind of a it's your all in one workout like that's, you know, like sometimes, sometimes you go to the gym and you just do a total body workout, right? Like this yeah, is, a- this is your total guitar body, beach body ready. <laughs> guitar your hit workout. workout. Yeah. 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 <laughs> which is one of the things I know we've talked about Eugene's trick bag in the past, which I kind of put on the shelf because holy crap, it's hard. But um, yeah. I'm, that's one of the things I'm working up again. And it's the same thing. Like, it's one of those, like, here, here's your sweet picking section. Here's this alternate picking on two strings section. Here's this, you know, uh, arpeggio picking section that you can't sweep. So how do you deal with that? <laughs> so don't you know, even try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually a, a topic I really want to bring to the pod soon, which is um, uh, songs that really improve technique that, you know, I know every song that you learn improves technique, but I think like in terms of like, if you want to improve your alternate picking, pick a nice Paul Gilbert song, for example. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to, love to talk about that in a future episode. Sounds great. Yeah, I like that. And That's a great idea. Kept busy. You're full of great ideas. So oh, but with that said, have you been working on your alternate picking? or I've not actually. No, I um, So funny story. I basically, I have a part from the Sweet Peggio, I'd, I have every part of Get the Funk Out memorized in terms of I don't need to refer to tabs, which is Ooh. great, really big thing. Um, so there is maybe about when he does the first two sweeped arpeggios, I can do those. Basically, I've got those shapes down. But in terms of the next part where he goes up to the 24th fret and taps that little, it's ridiculous. So, But yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, but uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. But I got kind of sidetracked because recently uh, I, you know, I'm a sucker for a bargain and uh, a recent guest, well, not recent guest, be almost a year now, uh, Jim Little recently had his own birthday sale where all his courses were, 20, were um, 50% off. So I went on and I got his uh, ultimate chicken picking course. Um, for a very affordable $25. And uh, it's really interesting, his approach to chicken picking and how he teaches it and how much he's learned from being based in Nashville for so long and from playing country. And the first two lessons are essentially about uh, making sure that your fingers are kind of locked. So it's all about, you know, pick and then the other two fingers being locked and making sure that you can, uh, that you're not, breaking the rhythm that you get that in and he basically gives you this exercise where you pick a like a three chord song and just but chicken pick it all in terms of the uh, um the triads so it's super helpful but also like you know it's one of those kind of stamina things because you're just you're using muscles in your you know 
for maybe you as a classical finger, uh, classical fingers, classical guitarist, um, would be able to do. But I'm just I don't have that kind of strength in the rest of my fingers compared to say my pick, especially when it comes to volume and stuff for balancing it all out. So that's keeping oh my me busy. Yeah, the balance is one of the hardest things to get. I I can't really do it like um, like he talks about. So it's it because for me it's just it feels really different on the electric and the classical, and it's hard. Yeah, that balance is hard. So yeah no small it's, thing so kudos no, to you it's, good it's sir <laughs> uh, <laughs> you talented man um so no it's it's that's that's what i've been working on but uh speaking of working on music that we don't really listen to what have you been <laughs> listening to <laughs> so, man it's funny like get the funk out and all that country stuff like i love the playing so much when in certain parts but when it comes to actually listening to it it's weird. I know we talk about before, you know, you want to you play stuff that you want to listen to, but like some the, the rest of that Get the Funk Out song is it's so mediocre compared to the majesty <laughs> of the guitars. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. So there's, there's, there's a couple of things. Did I talk about the Doom soundtrack already? No. No. <laughs> okay. So one of my students turned me on to this and... Yeah, the, the guy... The video game. Yeah, Mick Gordon, uh, who's okay. an Australian guitarist composer. Essentially, what, what happened was the creator for Dune, or the producer, I guess, Doom, uh, okay. said, sent him a message, said, hey, I want you to do the music, but here's the deal. I love synths, I hate guitars, and this is the, you know, I want you to write this. And so, over a process, there's a great, like, behind the music on this, too. He basically convinced this guy who hates guitars to allow him to put in this like heavy, almost, I, I don't know if you want to call it genty guitar riffs, guitar riff based music for doom. Um, wow. Okay. It's, it's been kind of, kind of a cool, I'm not normally one that would necessarily think of listening to video game music, but I, I enjoy the guitar work. I enjoy the, orchestration i guess uh of it and it it's something i'm trying to revive some of my orchestration type chops so i think it's kind of cool to see what else is out there to see yeah ne- ne- next time you you hear a uh an audi commercial for example or a bmw because they usually have reasonable or vw actually has some of the better ones um you know those commercials tend to have better sounding music than you know, your local air. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know. So I suppose like it's, it's all kind of very carefully crafted to match the, uh, yeah. The yeah. Yeah. As opposed to come on down to Jim's sign shop or, you know, even, even a lot of the stuff for like Vodafone or, um, you know, air sport or air, whatever fiber, that they've got out there now. That's E I R for all of the American listeners. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it it's like the equivalent of AT and T's. Yes, Verizon. Yeah, exactly. So T T Mobile seems to do okay, but that's probably you know the whole Deutsche Telekom thing. But that's it. anyway, yeah. So Doom. That that was my point. <laughs> Doom. Listening to the Doom soundtrack. <laughs> Interesting. We just had it had it on the background while I'm doing some work. So, at any rate, what about you? What have you been listening to? 
Well, since we last spoke, I went to see uh, Australian singer, songwriter, guitarist, Courtney Barnett. Um, mm. And she was fucking great. Really, really great. She's, you know, actually got a really good sound out of her Jaguar. So fair play to her, but she did have a very big board. <laughs> um, apart from that, so it's a few things. I'm kind of, I've, I've got a few gigs in December, so I'm putting some stuff together for that. Uh, one thing I've been listening to all day, I watched this fantastic uh documentary last night on the making of John Lennon's Imagine album huh. and it's really interesting basically it's him and George Harrison and Yoko and all these people holed up in this British countryside and it's uh, just basically you know this manor and Phil Spector comes around and it's just it's great but the footage is fantastic so I've listened to that all day and what else also I'm listening to a lot of John Prine because we're putting together this charity night in Galway where we get a lot of local musicians and everybody picks one John Prine song and then goes up and does it. And it's for, you know, it's for, uh, just for a local, local charity. So looking forward to that as well. We did it before with Leonard Cohen and we were turning people away at the door because we sold out really quickly. So, that's um, so, cool. so that's, yeah. And John Prine's an amazing, uh, just singer songwriter in terms of like the old kind of American tradition really really great if people are like you know you're looking something that's not quite Bob Dylan not quite Randy Newman but still you know really really intelligent that's kind of what I'd recommend but yeah I suppose that's our show John I think you're right there is so. no more to say Thank you for uh, people for bearing with us uh, with the delay on this one. We had both had mental weeks in terms of uh, work and family life and everything else. So we uh, really appreciate the patience with that. And yeah, I, I, I look forward to this when we get around to doing it. <laughs> right. So yes, uh, always like, subscribe, leave a review, please, on whatever podcast app that you listen to us on. That's a huge help for us. It definitely gives us a hundred percent so please please do that if you haven't done that we're just going to keep bugging you until you do you yeah personally. that's right jim you damn it jim <laughs> like and subscribe i'm a podcast host not a doctor we know you haven't liked and subscribed um perfect so uh friends until next time stay sharp